and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. And so all week I've been asking the Lord, and I kind of want to dig into this, and I'm not here to tell you who's going to be president or who should be or who shouldn't be. I'm not here to tell you that. What I'm here to do is I want us to have a proper perspective, a proper lens moving forward, right? And so Jesus, he gives us these beatitudes, which is like the constitution of our faith. This is what our faith should look like. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. He gives us all these things. And then he goes into all these parables, all these different descriptions about adultery, divorce. But then at the very end of this sermon, he goes into what I want to kind of begin with today, which is in Matthew 7, 22. Sorry, 24. And this is how Jesus ends his sermon. He says, anyone who listens, say listens. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it will not collapse because it is built on the bedrock. But... Anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it. This word teaching here can also be, almost be translated as to those who hear my words. You understand? This is not just about Matthew 5 through 7. This is about what he's speaking. Those who hear my words and do not obey it, it is foolish. Like a person who builds on sand. When the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And as I've been walking through this week, I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what does it look like? You know, this is the first time we've we've led, shepherded a church through a presidential election. And there have been pressure. How many of you felt pressure? How many of you know that pressure is not from the Lord? Okay, good. You guys don't know. You you just found out it's not from the Lord. (laughs) It's not from the Lord. And so what, what I have felt all week is I felt like there's been lots of people that their foundation has been shook. And the danger we can get in, in, in the world and in the time we live in right now is we can tend to over-spiritualize something that's just fear. We can tend to make something God's agenda that, I want to ask you, like, what I found is God was not disinterested in politics nine months ago. All of a sudden... And listen, I know there are some of you in the room, you carry that. Some, there are people, I believe, they are called to the political sphere. Yeah. They are called, I, I do believe. But listen, I, I just, I'm just not sure. Eric Gilmore made, made a video. He said, I asked the Lord, Lord, what, do, what are you saying about the election? He said, the Lord didn't have anything to say about it. Because I believe that a lot of times we bring our agenda, we bring our wants, and we say, thus saith the Lord, and it's wrong. It's It's wrong. And so in times like this, when, we're, when it gets cloudy, when it gets muddy, what we have to do is we have to take a step back and we have to simplify. We have to simplify and we have to ask ourselves, God, I want to be reminded why you put me on this earth. I don't want my foundation or my spirituality or how I feel or how I don't feel to be dictated by a news. To be dictated by someone's post. If someone's post on Facebook has affected your mood, you've given them too much power over your life. And so, so I want to start here. I want to recenter us and remind you that Jesus made it very clear what was his first commandment. I'm going to read it. I want you to read it like you've never read it before. Jesus looks. <laughs> oh, Jesus is so good. Jesus, he looks. And his disciples, and he says this, this is the commandment. You must love the Lord, Matthew 22. You must love the Lord with your God, with all of your hearts, say heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And there's a second commandment, which is equally important, which is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so Jesus stands, and I want to explain something to you because I think this is important. Many of us, we hear this commandment and we think like it's a side issue. Like Jesus told me not to steal, Jesus told me not to lie, and Jesus told me to love him. They're not in the same category. The loving Jesus with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul is the foundation. 
It is the solid bedrock that he's talking about. It is that thing that keeps us from being shaken when the winds and the storms of life come. It is what solidifies us in knowing no matter what happens, I'm good. It keeps us from trying to make imagining things in the future that we have no idea about and begin to prophesy them like they're from God. And so I want to explain to you, because I know lots of people, we hear this. We say, well, I love the Lord. I don't know how to love the Lord. I want to make it very clear. Without understanding God's love for you, you cannot love God. So in the very, very beginning, Mike Bickle, he, he, he says it like this. He calls it the fellowship of the burning heart. He said, in the very, very beginning, there was perfect love between the Father and the Son. The Father perfectly loved the Son, and the Son perfectly loved the Father. And out of that love, out of that delight, they were invited. They said, we must share this delight with the earth, and created man. He did not create you to be a robot or even to accomplish your ministry. He created you for the purpose of love. We all know that the devil came in and he tried to pervert love. He tried to pervert and he makes it all about what we can do and not about being. But as he brings us back to the simplicity of the Bible, it is all about loving God. It is all about understanding how much he loves you. Are you with me? It's so important because we have to understand that our love for God is a response to his love for us. Gio, I don't understand why you're always talking about going into your secret place and spending time. It's the only way you can understand how loved you really are. There's something about God where every time I meet Him in my back room, He shows up. He never fails. He's never distant. He never lacks. And as we separate, I don't want to know God through a sermon. I don't want to know God through a podcast I don't want to know God through a pastor. I want to know, I want to know Him through experience. I want to know, I want to be solidified. So I got so many texts yesterday. Oh, did you see what happened? How do you feel? I don't feel any different than I did on Friday. I don't feel any different. My trust, my foundation, my bedrock is, is from the Lord. And so, so understand, love is His number one agenda. His agenda is not who's president of our country. His agenda is not who's in Senate, who's in the House. His agenda is love. And that has to become our lens. As we look on the world, as, as we go, it, it, is, it, is, it, is a key. it is not a kingdom ethic. It is a life flow. Love is not an ethic. Like, love, it is a, it is, we flow from this place. And so last week, Tiffany gave a word. Do you guys remember she gave the word? She talked about laying down her race and about us having all. And then Boone got up and stood on the stage and said, I'm not sure we fully responded to that word the right way. And I believe the reason that a word like that is given, the reason that there's an admonishment that comes from heaven, that was a word from heaven. That wasn't a word from Tiffany, that was a word from heaven. As a word like that is given, what is Jesus asking us? He's saying, listen, I'm going to say this. The Lord does nothing halfway. He loves in fullness. And He doesn't know how to do anything halfway. And so as the Lord asks us, hey, will you relinquish? Will you give up? Will you let go? It's because He wants us to be available, our whole hearts to be available to Him in relationship, loving Him in response to love. And so I, the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit to lead us to Jesus. He points us. You understand this is simple? He points us to Jesus, and Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. Jesus is perfect theology. I don't want to hear about anything. Well, what about Job? I'm not a disciple of Job. I'm a disciple of Jesus. He He came to reconfigure and show us what it looks like to live a life yielded to the Father as a son. And so he invites, he invites us into this relationship. And I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what does it look like for us, like as a body to respond, to do nothing in part? What I want for you more than anything is for you to live in perfect union with him. For you to understand what it is to be a son, what it is to be a daughter, and to live. Do you, under, do you know this is available? 
I'm not sure if we've hammered that down enough yet. This place of intimacy and sonship and understanding who you are is where everything flows from. I believe the way you handle your finances, the way you parent your kids, the way you do ministry, all of it, the way you respond to your boss at work, it is all an outflow of do you or do you not understand sonship? Because when you understand sonship, you understand that everything I do is unto him. That's why Jesus says when you give somebody a cup of cold water, you've done it unto, unto the Lord. And so what does it do? What, what does it do? It reshifts our priority and it centers us back to understanding that love, love is the principal thing. So he says, love the Lord God with all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, right? To not allow yourself to get occupied, Desi said it, with lesser lovers, but letting those lesser lovers die, and that has to lead us to loving our neighbor. Can I have a conversation about loving your neighbor? About, about loving your neighbor despite of disagreements. About loving your neighbor enough to say something or to not say something. Allowing God to put his finger on all those things because many of us were more interested in being right than making a difference. And sometimes for the sake of making a point, we lose the ability to make a difference. And so Jesus, he continued, I have been so wrecked, wrecked by, by how, how different Jesus was. I want to give you a newsflash. We, in many places in our lives, we have formulated a Jesus, and he's not the Jesus of the Bible. He is an American Jesus. It's an American Jesus with an American gospel with an American agenda. I know I don't get a lot of amens when I say that. Because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to think that we've been giving our lives for the last 15 years for a political, a religious system that bears no fruit. And so like, that's why in Mark 7, I believe it is, Jesus, he's talking to the disciples and they're arguing about not having bread. They're in the middle of a lack. They're in the middle of like, I, I have a dysfunction in my life that needs addressing. And Jesus looks at him and says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod, the leaven. What is he speaking to? In the middle of not having bread, he's speaking to them about the leaven of Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's speaking to them about a religious system that bears no life and a political system that is trying to infiltrate the believers that will suck the life out of it. What does leaven do? It puffs up. He says, beware of this because it will strip everything that I have for you and you'll be left just with a lump of dough. <laughs> I know it, bro. I, I know it. I want to go to John 13. Can you go there with me? I want you to see this. How many of you were here when we were talking about the table? Do you guys remember the table? We were continually talking about the table and how the Lord was calling us and he was bringing us to the table. And at the table would be a place. This is something we've talked about maybe two years ago plus. At the table was a place where we can settle our differences. The table was a place where we could honor one another. It was a place where we can see one another. Not just like through, through a keyboard, so many keyboard warriors. Not just through a keyboard, but that we can really see one another and see, see Jesus in their eyes. That's the issue with this. When you see someone and you look in their eyes, it forces you to see the Jesus inside of them. And it, it disallows you to see things. When all you're looking at is a name, you can type whatever you want. But when you see Jesus inside of a person you disagree with, it dismantles the argument. And so we've been talking about this table and about a unification. And there's something about the table. You see Jesus continually inviting people back to the table. And I was asking the Lord this week, I said, Jesus, we need proper perspective on what it looks like to walk with you during this time. I don't want to walk with an affiliation. I have not given my, you know, I voted and, and, I, and I voted. I voted my conscience and that's all, I, that's all we can do. Amen. Either we believe that God, can I say it? I always ask my elders because they're the only ones that could fire me here. 
Either we believe the Bible or we don't, right? Can we agree on that? Either it's true or it's not true. And if we believe it's true, the Bible is very clear that God appoints kings and queens. Oh, no, 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 amen. If we believe the Bible, then we believe that He allows and He appoints our leadership. It's in there. And so from that place, our job is not to start a revolution. A revol it's not to give a new revelation. It's for us to submit. So many, God, God, I need to understand why. Why is the wrong question? Why is the wrong question? What you, God, why are you doing this? I lost that like seven years ago because I'm beyond that. Now I just ask God, God, what are you doing? You see the difference? I can get caught up on why and never understand on this side of heaven. I'm not even talking about political. I'm just talking about things in my life. I moved to Mexico. I thought I was going to be there for three years. It ended up being about a year. I bought a car, furnished a house. God, why? It doesn't matter. I just want to know what you're doing. I don't want to get caught up on the why. And so here we are and we get stuck and there's something about, about the table that it, it brings us back to the simplicity of just breaking bread and seeing people. So I was asking the Lord, God, I, I, we need proper perspective on how to see. And he brought me to this story. And I, and I want to take my time. I want to take my time. I'm not going to read all of it, but John 13 begins with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And he talks to them about taking, being fully washed. Unless I wash it, you cannot be mine. I can't get into that right now. But it's really good. When you go down to 18, Jesus is predicting his betrayal. And he's sitting at a table with his disciples. And they're taking Passover meal, the Seder meal. And he's sitting with them. And he begins to share with them. And I want to start here. Verse 21 of John 13, he says... Now Jesus was deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And they're all sitting at a table, and they're all taking a meal, and they're celebrating, and Jesus throws this bomb on them. I want, I want, to, I want, you, I want you to see the kind of life that Jesus lived, that He gave those people around Him such access to His heart that they had the ability to hurt Him. We say all the time, we want to be really, really good at family. The only way we can be family is to allow people into our life to such a degree that we become vulnerable. That we're able to have honest conversations and talk about things that really matter without sacrificing the relationship. Oh, Gio. This is a dysfunction in the church. The people closest to you are the... My wife can hurt me like no other. Because I have given her access to my life in a different way than any one of you. And what you're seeing at this table is Jesus. As he's pursuing his divine destiny, he is hurt. He is troubled by the actions of another. He's modeling family for us, man. And he says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And then the disciples, they begin to look at each other, wondering who could he mean, which means there was no real indication that Judas would be the betrayer. They were doing life together. They had no idea that he would be the one. They all, matter of fact, Luke's account in Luke 22, 24, it says they began to look at one another and the conversation went from trying to figure out who it was to who will be the greatest. Which is an amazing principle about what happens when you take your eyes off of Jesus and you begin to look at other people. We're sitting at a table and Jesus is speaking to us. He drops the bomb. We take our eyes off of him and begin to look at other people. And now we begin to put ourselves above them. How does the argument even go there? It's human nature. I would submit to you many times Jesus walks into a room and the conversation is still centered around who will be the greatest. What's crazy to me is Jesus had just modeled greatness by washing their feet. Which goes to show you, you can be in the presence of Jesus and there could be activity that models something and you still miss it. So Jesus says to them, hey, the, those of you that want to be the greatest has to be the lowest servant among us. And he reestablishes what servanthood and greatness looks like. 
And he goes back into the conversation and he goes, the disciple whom Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. This is the NLT, but, but in this moment, oh, I heard Michael Miller talk about this and it was so good, probably like a year ago. Jesus was sitting at a table and he was reclining and the disciple whom Jesus loved was probably John. He's writing the book. He just doesn't want to be that blunt about it. <laughs> He's the one that loves you. You don't want to be that way. And so he's reclining on Jesus' breast, right? And they're reclining at a table, and Jesus had just got done saying, <laughs> I'm going to try to get through this without crying. Jesus had just got done saying to them, one of you will betray me. So Jesus is sitting at the table, and John is reclining on his chest. And Peter says to him, hey, John, ask him who it is, bro. <laughs> Read the story. It's just like, ask him who it is. Probably because I, I want to make sure it's not me. John looks up at Jesus. So, so he's here. He looks up at Jesus. And says, Jesus, right? Who, who is it? Been walking together for three years. That's a that's a that's a hard statement. We saw you heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. We saw you do things. You understand? They walked with Jesus. They didn't read about him. They walked with him. <laughs> And so Jesus speaks to him, and he says, Jesus responded, It is the one whom I will dip the bread in the bowl. It is the one whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And he dipped it, and he gave it to Judas. But, but this is what really got me, because I've read this many times. And we have to understand, sorry, Madeline, I just put breadcrumbs everywhere. <laughs> Wherever you are, forgive me. I love you. Jesus says, Jesus says to John, are you with me? He says to John, it's the one who, when I dip the bread, so they, they would take the bread, and in the Seder meal, it was called the, dipping the sop. They would take the bread, and they would put it in horseradish, and then they would dip it. And the host would usually only do this one time in the whole meal. It was like... This, this, the entry point to this portion, that it was a long meal with lots of different parts of it. He would dip it in the horseradish, and when he gave this piece of bread, it signified to the one he gave it to love and friendship. Wow. So watch this. He takes it, and John's here, and John's like, Who, who's it going to be? And he takes it, and he puts it in the horseradish, and he dips it, and John is here and he's watching Jesus demonstrate unconditional love for his betrayer. He's, he's giving him a new perspective on what it looks like through his eyes to walk in love, to walk in humility. You understand there's lots of things that, there's, there's lots of things Jesus didn't do. He didn't accuse. He didn't try to make an argument. He didn't condemn he didn't put guilt. Are you, are you understanding? There's lots of things he couldn't do, but he didn't. Why? Unconditional love. And so people are like, I just, I just don't know how, how, how do we respond in this time? If you begin to look through this perspective, I don't want to make a Facebook post unless I can see it through this. I don't, want to, I don't want to preach a sermon. I don't want to send in directs unless I can. I, I want my framework in my life to be centered around Jesus. You modeled for me what it looked like to love. Well, what about my right? What about it? What about my argument? What about what I thought? What about it? If Jesus could sit at the table of his betrayer, and give somebody access to his heart in that, to that degree. And then in this meal, he can dip the bread, dip the salt, and he can give it without becoming victimized. Without becoming victimized. Without becoming the victim in the situation, but understanding this is what it takes. And he gives it. I, I just want to explain something to you. In the context of the week we've been in, we have, we have been called to walk in honor and humility. Yeah. 
humility is costly. You understand that I could only walk in honor in the midst of disagreement. The only time I have an opportunity in my life to walk in honor with Boot is when me and Boot disagree. When me and Boot agree on everything, we, it's easy to, to do life together. But when we have a disagreement, that is an opportunity for me to walk in honor, despite about my opinion on what he believes. Oh, it's so quiet. It must be really good. So you understand how vastly different this is in the way we've, we've lived our lives today? I'm not, even, I'm not even zeroing in on you. I'm talking about all of us. That we would be able to take a step from, 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 from the news, from everything, and just like, Jesus, I want to see it from here. You've called me to love. You've called me to love you. So I can't give a piece of my heart to Fox News and give it to you. You're like, well, I, I, can't, I can't live my life that way. That's religion. It's really not. Why is it not? Because we understand how much he loves us. And so like out of, my, out of my understanding of how much God loves me, there's nothing I've given that has ever felt like I've, it, w- it was a cost. Nothing, out of my response, you understand, when you begin to love him out of response and not out of obligation so you don't go to hell, but like you have felt his love and your love, your adoration, the way you live your life, it is a response to his love. It helps you to do this. I got to see my wife through this. Like, what well, she did this doesn't matter. I got to keep, I got I to understand. They didn't even understand that that represented his broken body yet. You understand? They didn't even know that yet. All, all John saw was unconditional love on the chest of Jesus. And I've just been thinking all this week, I, I wonder to myself what it would look like can you, can you get Tiff? I wonder to myself what it would look like if we found ourselves in a church and a group of people that live life this way. I'm just not going to live offended. Like, how do I live an unoffendable life? Yeah, You've got to carry a piece of bread with you every day. Anytime I feel offense welling up, how many of you, I'm not even going to have you raise your hand because some of you would lie. If you felt offense well up in your heart on, in the day, I, God, I need. And we recenter ourselves. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And he anoints me with oil. It's at the table where he protects and he anoints me to be able to carry out everything he's called me to carry out. So I want to land here. Tiff, Tiff had a dream. Where's, where's the mic at? This right there. I wanted to share this dream she had this week. And then, um, and then we'll, we'll end today taking communion together. You want to share that too? You're good. So, um, ooh, it's hot. Sunday night, I, um, I had a dream and I kind of, I've been dreaming a lot, so I kind of was like, eh. But the Lord was like, no, you need to, you need to write this down and you need to share it. Um, with your pastoral staff. And so in the dream, I was getting married and um, I was so excited. I was like, yes, you know, it's finally happening. And I recognized my bridegroom, but I, I didn't necessarily, it wasn't somebody that I knew, if that makes sense. It's like he was familiar to me, but I wasn't sure exactly who he was. And um, all of a sudden, this scene shifts and I'm in this building, not this building, but a church building. And the people there were people from this um, what, is, what is it called? Congregation. This congregation. Thank you. And the congregation from the church that we were on staff at before we were here. And I was seeing people. I'm like, hey, let me tell you about what I've been doing. And I was bragging about the ministry that we had done. Not we, but that I had done and that, um, that I was going to do, that I was getting ready to do, that I was doing. And I remember thinking, we have a wedding to plan for. But... I got so distracted and called up and, and bragging about what I was doing that I kind of just pushed it back. And next thing I know, the scene shifts and I'm with the same people, but um, they begin to gripe and complain about my bridegroom. And they were 
upset with some of the things that he did. They didn't like the way he was doing things. And I got so offended. And I felt like I have to defend him. I was so offended. And again, in my mind, hey, you have a wedding that you need to plan for. But I was so caught up in my offense that I kind of just pushed it off to the side. And next thing I know, my friends come by and they're like, hey, let's go and hang out and do this. And I'm like, yeah, but I really have a wedding to plan for, but it's okay, I have plenty of time. And so I leave with my friends and I'm just caught up in this swirl of all this stuff that we're doing, right? And um, all of a sudden, I see this police officer coming to me and immediately I knew I had got caught up in compromises that caused me to get in trouble with the law. I knew he was coming to arrest me and immediately I realized I'm gonna miss my wedding. And I begin to sob and I'm screaming out to him, please, 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 my wedding's tomorrow. Just let me go to my wedding and then you can take me away. Please, I can't miss my wedding. And um, I, I woke up and I'm like, okay, like I've been having weird dreams. And the Lord spoke to me, this is for my bride. This is for this hour. And I'm like, God, but it seems like kind of repetitive. Like we're always giving these messages about like getting rid of stuff in our lives that are distracting. And I think in the first part of the dream where I'm bragging about my ministry and I'm reminded of Martha and Mary and Martha's so distracted. The scripture says she was distracted by her ministry. And then she goes, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm doing your work and she's not? And he says, yeah, what you're doing is good, but what she chose is better. And then I'm caught up in offense. And I'm so offended that I felt like I had to defend my bridegroom and he can defend himself. He can defend himself, but I was so caught up in my offense that I forget about my wedding. And then I get caught up with my friends and I leave and I go and I'm, I'm reminded of the four hearts and I'm distracted by the cares of this world, right? And then next thing I know, there's like this progression. I'm caught up in ministry I'm caught up in offense. I'm caught up in the cares of this world. And then I've allowed little foxes and compromises and I'm going to jail because of the sin I've allowed in my life. And I realize I'm gonna miss my wedding. And I'm reminded of the virgins where some had oil and some didn't. And the realization, I'm gonna miss my wedding. And the Lord said, this is my word for the church. And I'm like, God, it's so repetitive. And he said, but it's because of my long suffering and my grace that I'm overly repeating this message because there are still some, there are still some who don't have oil. The, the longer, the longer we do this, the more we realize that this, this that we do is not about trying to build a big church to get people in ministry positions to do, to do our work. It's about preparing people for a wedding. And I don't know if you really, if your heart really caught that, but she was preparing for a wedding. She caught a fence in her heart. The offense led to her being arrested and missing. You understand that offense will arrest you. It will arrest your spirit. It, it will arrest your mind. It will arrest your thoughts. It will arrest your health. And what I, what I want us to do is I want us to rightly respond. And I'm asking us to make a commitment. I, I feel it so strong. I would almost even ask if you don't feel like making the commitment, then just don't partake. Because I feel like today, what the Lord wants is for us to make a commitment to always look through this. Understanding that the opposite of looking through this is being arrested by offense. And is missing the wedding. Does that make sense? So, so what I want us to do is that we can stand. We have communion set up on both sides. I want you to come up. If, if, if you've made a commitment to this, to love people unconditionally moving forward. I want you to make your way to the table and I'll wait. Some of you need to really, really think about it. Understanding what you're stepping into. And then we're gonna partake together.
two lines, so if this side gets a little empty, you guys can make your way to this side. take let's just keep let's just keep ourselves still for a moment we'll all take it together your eyes and just ask the Lord, Lord, is there any place in my heart that's arresting me? I just feel that. He wants to release people. Through communion today, He wants to release you from offense and from doubt. Thank you, Father. Covey, lead us in a chorus real quick. I just want us to be still just for a moment. Look for it is one. 
as we partake of your body, I just, I pray that every bit of offense will be washed away. I'm praying that you give us a new perspective, a new lens, a new grace. That every move, every operation, every, every step we take is with love in mind. Pastor Tyler, pray for the body as we partake. Yeah, each take the body of the Lord. Yeah, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father, that you took stripes for our healing, God. You took stripes, your body was cut open so that our physical body was healed. Yeah. You took bruises, Jesus, internal wounds, God, so that our internal man could be healed. We ask right now, God, as we partake, we say, heal our hearts, Jesus. Yes. Heal our hearts from offense, God. Yeah. Remove it, Jesus. Yeah. God, let us not treat this sacrament as common, Jesus. We would take it with pure hearts and clean hands. Yeah. Asking you to heal us. Thank you for your body. I'll say this, it's the last thing I'll say, in a room this size, there's, there's just, there's sin issues, right? There's just issues, and issues cause, cause division, and they cause all kinds of things, but I just want to understand there's only one person who can rightly deal with our sin. There's only one. And what happens when we come back to the table and we center ourselves around the body and the blood of Jesus, we're making that declaration. Only one person can rightly deal. No person can heal this nation except Jesus. It has to be, has to be him. And I just wanna, I just wanna say this, the path forward for us as his children is humility and lowliness. I wanna say it again. The path for us forward, the only way to go up is to go down. I know the internal feeling is we have to, only way up is to go down. So like, I just, I just wanted you to keep that in your mind. Even if you feel happy about what, what happened yesterday, bless you, that's amazing. I don't really feel all that terrible, if I'm being honest. Because I understand the only way up is to go down. So, so I just want us to, to center us around this.
understanding that God can turn the heart of any man. But it has to start with us. <laughs> Let's not pray for God to turn anybody's heart until he's turned ours. Can we make that commitment? T together. I start, I'm, I'm saying, I'm starting that way. God, I'm not praying you to turn any heart until you turn mine. And I'll know my heart is turned when I can do this. It's a big loaf, but... <laughs> pray one last time. Jesus, keep us humble. Keep us humble. Keep us low. Keep us in meekness and humility. And Lord, I, I genuinely love every person in this room. And I'm just asking this, that you would help us to love one another. That no man can, can divide what you're doing in this building. No man can stop the movement of your presence, the beauty of your grace, the majesty of your name. nothing on the outside would ever affect what's happening on the inside. We just choose to live our lives this way. We choose to live our life committed to you in declaration. I'm going to be in disobedience if I don't do one more thing. Can you let me be obedient? Book of Joel, Steve Corker. Joel, they sound, they sound the trumpet twice. I don't have the time to get into all the significance, but I do want to explain this to you. There were two purposes for the blowing of the trumpet in the book of Joel. Right before the prophet, the, pro, the prophecy of his spirit being poured out is given. And the two purposes are this. I got to find it. It's important. I don't have the time to read all of it. Let's all stand. Because after the second blow of the trumpet, I want us to just shout in celebration and seal it with praise. Can we do that? So the first trumpet blow was a declaration that the people were to be awakened and that they were to come out of compromise and into fully being given. So there was a trumpet sound that was meant to awaken the spirits of the people that were obviously asleep. That that has to be awakened can only be awakened because they're asleep. Can we agree? The second trumpet sound was a trumpet sound that was a call to prayer and to fasting. It was a prayer to, but I want us to respond, respond with praise. So Jesus, whatever you do right now, God, we just allow you to do it. We just want to be obedient, Father. We just want to be obedient and just declare we trust you. Awake our spirits, God, and call us into new levels of prayer, intercession, fasting, contending, because we know greater is coming greater is coming oh we worship you father we praise you lord let's just praise we praise you god we praise you god we praise you god You are Lord. You are Lord. Whoa. You are Lord. Your mercies, they endure forever. Your mercies are new every day. Oh God, make us fully given. Make us fully given. Oh, we say yes. We say yes. As the prophet said, who will go? We respond. We say yes, send us. We say yes. Wow. Wow. Oh, just one second. Just be still. Wash over us, Father.
love. Up, 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 up. Above the noise. Up, up, up. steps our, our yes our yes that we just gave there's steps that are required there has to be steps to our yes so father show us I can't give you your steps they have to come from Holy Spirit but father show us what it looks like for our spirits to be awakened and to respond yes to the upward call Father, we ask that you seal today. Seal today what you've done. Seal today what you've done. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Wasn't that incredible? Yeah. Father. Hey, listen, they're, they're selling.